Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Today is March 19th, and we're going to cover the last spirochete bacteria, leptospiral species, and the number one cause of STDs in the U.S., Chlamydia trachomatis. Chlamydia is the number one sexually transmitted infection in the United States by far. One of the reasons for that is the large number of asymptomatic carriers. It is caused by the atypical bacterium Chlamydia trachomatis. This bacterium is atypical because it actually lacks a peptidoglycan layer, so it doesn't gram stain well. It is typically transmitted through sexual contact without a barrier method, but it can be transmitted to a neonate during vaginal birth. Therefore, every pregnant woman is screened at their first prenatal visit to hopefully pre prevent the spread to the baby. Once transmitted, it will cause a malodorous, clear to gray, thin endocervical discharge, dysuria, and pelvic pain in women. In men, it will most often cause dysuria, clear or thin urethral discharge, and scrotal pain. If this passes to neonates, it can cause neonatal conjunctivitis, which can lead to blindness, and an atypical pneumonia that causes staccato coughs. Staccato is a musical term that means a series of short, emphasized sounds. These symptoms are most associated with the cerebars D through K. These cerebars are also capable of causing complications. In women, it can cause pelvic inflammatory disease. In men, it can cause epididymitis and prostatitis and reactive arthritis. The cerebars A through C are more prevalent in Africa, most often cause trachoma, which is an infection of the eye and causes the eye to buckle and the eyelashes to scratch the eye, causing scarring and eventually blindness. The cerebars called types L1 through L3 are most associated with lymphogranuloma venarium, which causes the formation of inguinal lymphadenopathy to the point where they might ulcerate. This organism is really hard to detect. It can't be gram-stained gram and it's really hard to culture. So the gold standard method of diagnosis is through nucleic acid amplification tests or NAATs. Once diagnosed, azithromycin is a single dose is very effective. You need to also counsel the patient to avoid all sexual contact for seven days. You need to retest the patients in a month to make sure the infection is cleared you also should immediately treat all sexual partners. Leptospirosis is caused by the spirochete Leptospira interrogans. This organism is found worldwide and is most associated with the tropics. It is transmitted through the consumption of water contaminated with animal urine. The organism likes to take up residence in animal kidneys and will therefore be consistently secreted with their urine. Therefore, people who work with animals like vets and farm workers are at higher risk of acquiring this. Patients will present with a huge range of symptoms from asymptomatic to fulminant organ failure. Phase one of leptospirosis presents with fever, headache, myalgias, conjunctivitis without exudate. Phase two is also called Wales disease, which presents as jaundice, renal failure, and pulmonary hemorrhage. This is a life-threatening condition. Diagnosis relies on serology, and treatment is doxycycline for mild disease, but stronger antibiotics might be required for more severe disease. 
now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A 22-year-old female presents with dysuria for the last three days. Vital signs are normal. She reports not feeling any urgency or any increased frequency in urinating and not feeling any back pain. She says that she has had two new male sexual partners in the last three months and engaged in vaginal intercourse without the use of barrier methods. Pelvic examination reveals a thin gray cervical discharge and no cervical motion tenderness or adnexal tenderness. Urinalysis reveals a few white blood cells, but no bacteria, casts, blood, or any other abnormalities. Smear of the cervical discharge reveals no organisms. Culture on Thayer Martin Media did not produce growth. What is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, gonorrhea, B, trichomoniasis, C, chlamydia, or D, bacterial vaginosis? You're going to focus on eliminating diagnoses in this question. This patient is presenting with dysuria, thin gray cervical discharge, and a history of unprotected sexual contact. The lack of urinary urgency or frequency and the lack of bacteria in the urinalysis points away from a urinary tract infection. Not completely, but it does point away. The lack of back pain and casts in the urine points away from pyelonephritis. The lack of cervical motion tenderness and adnexal tenderness points away from pelvic inflammatory disease. Choice A, gonorrhea, is caused by Neisseria gonorrhea. This can present exactly as this patient presents. However, this would most likely produce growth on Thayer Martin media. Choice B, trichomoniasis, is caused by trichomonas vaginalis, which is a protozoan that would be seen on microscopy of the cervical discharge. Since no organisms were seen, you can rule this diagnosis out. Choice C, chlamydia, is caused by chlamydia trachomatis causes a thin cervical discharge. It's really hard to visualize and doesn't culture well. The only way to definitively diagnose chlamydia is to utilize NAAT testing or nucleic acid amplification testing. Choice D, bacterial vaginosis, is caused by many different bacterial organisms, but most often caused by Gardnerella vaginalis. This would most likely present as a vaginal discharge, not cervical discharge. This would also most likely have many bacteria present in the urinalysis. Examination of the urine would also show the presence of clue cells, which are epithelial cells that are just covered in bacteria. Therefore, the correct answer is C, chlamydia. A 23-year-old male presents to the emergency department with a two-day history of high fever, chills, headache, neck stiffness, protective cough, diarrhea, photophobia, nausea, vomiting, hemoptysis, diffuse myalgias, and dark-colored urine. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 101, a pulse of 119, a blood pressure of 149 over 81, a respiratory rate of 24, and an oxygen saturation of 94% on room air. Physical examination reveals yellowing of the eyes and face and negative Brzezinski and Koenig signs. A 23-year-old male presents to the emergency department with a two-day history of high fever, chills, headache, neck stiffness, productive cough, diarrhea, photophobia, nausea, vomiting, hemoptysis, diffuse myalgias, and dark-colored urine. 
Vital signs reveal a temperature of 101, a pulse of 119, a blood pressure of 149 over 81, a respiratory rate of 24, and an oxygen saturation of 94% on room air. Physical examination reveals yellowing of the eyes and face and negative Brzezinski encoding signs and severe abdominal tenderness. Laboratory studies reveal a negative PPD test, elevated serum transaminase levels, and hyperbilirubinemia. Serological analysis revealed the presence of anti-leptospiral species IgM molecules. What is the most likely route of transmission for this causative agent? Is it choice A, inhalation of contaminated animal urine, B, ingestion of aerosolized animal feces, C, ingestion of contaminated animal urine, or D, through the bite of a mosquito? This question has a really complicated clinical picture, but the actual question is relatively easy. It's telling you that there's an infection with leptospiral species and asking you for the transmission route. Leptospira can be transmitted a multitude of ways, but the most likely is ingestion of water contaminated with animal urine. Therefore, the correct answer is C, ingestion of contaminated animal urine. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.